Before we begin, I'm very pleased to announce that my new book, Everything I Am, is out now. It's the first in a series of novels to be connected to this podcast. That's right, it's a ragbag novel. Ragbag novel number one. You can buy the paperback or ebook editions from Amazon, or the audiobook version is available from frankburton.bandcamp.com, and the price is currently set to name your price. Further details are on my website, frankburton.co.uk. And listen, it's a brilliant book. If you'll indulge me, listeners, this is what it says on the back cover. Now, it starts off with a quote from the book. So the quote from the book is, On 12th of October 2004, my dad, at the age of 55, popped out to buy a bottle of milk and never came back. End quote. Here's the description on the back cover. This book tells the story of the search for Frank Burton Sr. Where did he go and why? In his attempt to answer these questions, Frank Burton Jr. uncovers a series of bizarre family secrets which shatter his own ideas about who he is and where he came from. Everything I Am is both a thrilling detective story and a laugh-out-loud comic masterpiece. How'd you like that? Now go off and buy it. But actually, I should mention this. You are getting it for free, as it happens. Yeah, I've chopped the audiobook into five parts, and through the whole of next week, Monday to Friday, I'll be releasing the whole audiobook just for you, the Ragbag listeners, right here on the podcast. Because I like you, and I want you to hear it. So there you go. The book is yours. What you could do, if you'd like to repay me for this astonishing feat of generosity, you could buy a copy of the book, and give it to someone who doesn't listen to the podcast. Help me grow my audience a bit, yeah? The book makes complete sense without having to hear the podcast in advance. It's a complete self-contained story, and I like to think it has universal appeal. It's easy to read, it's not too challenging, not too dark. It's just a great bit of light-hearted entertainment. And as it says on the back cover, it's a page-turner as well. You can turn the pages. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what a page-turner is, don't you? It's a book that you can't put down. Well, you can put it down, obviously, but you wouldn't want to. That's the point. Right. Let's get cracking with the podcast. Welcome to Rag Bag. My name's Frank Burton. Hope you've been enjoying the show lately. I have. Greatest podcast in the world, right? Right? It is. Do you think I can quote myself on my promotional literature? There's no promotional literature. Can't be bothered with that. Here's a tune.
So I've been doing a bit of travelling round in the van, which is my home now. And I went to Windsor the other day. Strange place. It's got a castle. And that's always a slightly odd thing to come across because I've always lived in Manchester where there aren't any castles. And I haven't done a great deal of travelling around until recently, so I kind of forgot that I live in a country that's got loads of castles in it. Shout out to the Americans. You don't have any castles, do you? Is that why you love them so much? Whenever I visit a castle in Britain, part of me is expecting it to be full of medieval dudes in full battle dress, swigging on jugs of ale. But no, they're always full of American tourists, wearing I Heart London t-shirts, swigging on Evian. But Windsor Castle is different to all the other ones, isn't it? Because uh, it's where the Queen lives. The actual... We've actually got a monarchy. How weird is that? You guys obviously haven't. And it's weird that a lot of Americans seem to like our one so much because you also seem to enjoy celebrating your country's independence. Make up your mind, guys. If you like the monarchy so much, just... Renounce your independence. Just an idea. I'm sure we'll be happy to have you back. I didn't go into the castle itself because you've got to pay money. I'm not that interested in it, really. What interests me more is that this is the actual Queen's house. And I was wandering around the streets of Windsor thinking, this is the Queen's neighbourhood. It's a shame she can't just pop out for a walk or a browse around the shops. She's just got to stay inside that castle the whole time. And it occurs to me how privileged I am. She's privileged, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I can go anywhere I want to go in Windsor. I can enter Windsor Castle if I pay for a ticket. There's bits of the castle the public don't have access to, but unlike the Queen, I have access to everything else. I can pop across to the gift shop. You know, there's a gift shop just across the road from the castle and it sells these little cardboard masks of the Queen and various other members of the royal family. And it's not a drawing. No, it's not a drawing. It's a full-size photograph of the Queen's face with little eye holes and a cheap bit of elastic to tie around the back of your head. It's a bit of fun, I suppose. You can walk around doing the voice. You know, that voice. Bit of fun for the tourists. But it must be weird for the Queen, though. Does she know about this, I wonder? Considering that she can't just pop down the shops, maybe nobody's told her about this. Nobody's told her there's a shop just over the road from her house that sells life-size photographs of her face that people can put over their faces and do a funny voice. Imagine if that was you. If there was a shop across the street from where you live selling cardboard masks of your face. Not just your face, the faces of your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's wives and husbands and little snow globes with a model of your house on it. Key rings. All of that sort of stuff right outside your house. I noticed there weren't any Prince Andrew masks. Now, I'm not up to speed with current affairs. I don't know what's going on. I can only assume either he's dead now or he's just like a really popular guy and all the masks were sold out must have been there's a whole bunch of American tourists back at their hotel right now 
dressed as Prince Andrew. That's my assumption. Of course, the other place the Queen can't go is the Legoland theme park. That's really close. You can probably see that from her bedroom window. All the roller coasters and that. She's probably never been on a roller coaster in her life. It wouldn't match up with a royal public image, would it? But she can see it from her window. And it looks like fun, especially from a distance. All those little sets of hands going, woo, in the air in unison as the ride drops. You know what? I bet she's been there loads of times. I'm sure they can organise something at royal request, some secret trip in the middle of the night. Her and Prince Philip sitting on the dragon under the moonlight. Yeah, the dragon. That's the name of one of the rides they got there. You sit on the dragon and it twists and turns in and out of a castle. Not a real castle, a giant Lego castle. And the Queen would be like, isn't it weird? It's just like the castle where we live, but it's made of plastic, plastic blocks. They sell them in sets, you know, so you can build your own miniature castles with little Lego knights and horses and... Oh, you know what, she says. Do you ever feel like our lives aren't really like real lives? You know what I mean? All these fairy stories about queens and princes. I'm an actual queen and you're an actual prince. But when people look at us, they don't see the reality of this life we're living together. They see the fairy tale, or they see the stylized, glossy version of it from that Netflix show. They don't see this right here and now, two people sitting on a roller coaster because it looks like fun from a distance. And I don't know a great deal about Prince Philip, what he's like as a person, but I'd imagine he'd be a total grump about the whole thing. He'd be like, I don't know why you have made me come on this daft roller coaster. Well, it's fun, isn't it? Great fun. Yes, he says, I suppose you're right. What we should do now, says the Queen, we should go to that gift shop across the road from our house and try on one of those cardboard masks. You be you and I'll be me and it'll be a bit creepy and existential, but also it'll be fun. And it feels like sometimes people in our position aren't allowed to have fun. It's like we've got all this money and power and we can't enjoy any of it because it's not the done thing. Oh, go on then, says Philip. But if we're going to do that, we should at least dress as other people, like you be Camilla and I'll be Andrew. Yeah, apparently they've run out of Andrew masks. Really? Why? He's just a really great guy. Anyway, let's just get on with this. So they go to the gift shop, they try on some masks, and it is creepy, and it is existential, but also it is fun. And the Queen says, now, for the ultimate, let's fulfil one of my ultimate life ambitions, Philip. It's just a few doors down, that direction. Let's go to McDonald's. And he's like, it's the middle of the night. It's not one of those 24-hour drive through ones. We've already woken up the gift shop owner. We'd have to go and drag a whole catering team out of their beds. It's now or never, Philip, says the Queen. And so their people pull some strings and indeed an entire catering team gets dragged out of bed and they sit together in an empty Mackey D's. Prince Philip tries a Big Mac for the first time in his life 
he says it tastes disgusting, but secretly he quite likes it, and he knows he'll be ordering a takeaway from there tomorrow. The Queen has a chicken nuggets happy meal with a little minions toy inside, and she doesn't know what it is, but it amuses her. It looks funny with its one big eye. So she puts it in her pocket. She's going to keep it as a souvenir on her dressing table. And because it's the Windsor branch, in the corner of the restaurant, there's these two full-size statues of the Queen's guards in their bright red uniforms and huge black hats. And you can imagine all day long there'll be people getting their pictures taken with them. And something occurs to the Queen, perhaps for the first time. Why do they wear those stupid hats, she said. It can't be comfortable for them. It must be like balancing a stuffed animal on your head. Well, it's traditional, isn't it? Says Philip, wiping the crumbs from his lips. I'm pretty sure it's just a little game we're all playing to impress the American tourists, says the Queen. I'm pretty sure everybody else thinks they look ridiculous and perhaps that's what the Americans think too. They fly over here specifically to watch the changing of the guards and whisper to each other these crazy Brits with their absurd, outdated traditions. Maybe that's what Britain is now. Maybe we're just an international laughing stock, a freak show at best. And we're part of that, you know. They wheel us out, they stick us in the back of a carriage so we can wave at the commoners who love us, not because we're good or admirable people, but because they've been told to love the institution that we're a part of by their parents and their politicians and the PR companies. We'd be nothing without those PR companies. You know that, don't you? They do a great job. I'm sure we'd have some kind of French Revolution-style rebellion without them. Cheer up, says Prince Philip. And the Queen does cheer up because she's remembered that she's supposed to be having fun. As a matter of fact, she reflects later on, she's obliged to have fun. All this money and golden stuff and castles and stolen jewels. If she's not having fun with it, what is the point of it all? And the following morning, the Queen looks down at that minion's toy on her dressing table, looking up at her with its one big eye and its yellow face. And there's something in its expression that says to her, What is it all about, though, eh? It's meaningless. What's the meaning behind me sitting here on your dressing table? I know you thought I would be a memento of your evening, experiencing life as a common person would. And do feel free to attach some kind of special meaning to it. But bear in mind it's a meaning that you yourself have created to try and make some sense in a meaningless world. <laughs> that, that, that was a fun story, wasn't it, listeners? I enjoyed that. That was very good. <laughs> now, that's it. That's the end of that. We're moving on. Let's do some shout-outs, guys. Um, on the subject of extreme wealth, here's a shout-out to all the listeners who wished to contradict my claim that you'll never see an actual millionaire eating a millionaire's shortbread. Jane says, I saw best-selling author Philip Pullman in Cafe Nero, Milton Keynes, with a cup of herbal tea and a millionaire's shortbread, 
Checkmate, sir. Yeah, it's not necessarily checkmate, Jane. You could have just saw some dude who looks like Philip Pullman. Please let me know the exact date and time and I will request the CCTV footage from the Milton Keynes branch of Cafe Nero under the terms of the Data Protection Act. Romesh says, I saw the actor Christopher Eccleston picnicking with his family under the shade of an oak tree in Heaton Park. He must have been hungry because he literally had a millionaire's shortbread in each hand. I guess that makes him a multi-millionaire. Yeah, good joke, Ramesh, but the fact that you felt the need to make that joke implies that the Christopher Eccleston story is something you've made up just so you can deliver that punchline. We'll never know because there is no CCTV available under the shade of that particular oak tree. And if you think I'm going to just take your word for it, you can forget it. Thanks for getting in touch. Thank you. Another shout out to the lawyers representing my brother. That's my brother, Tim Burton. I told you I'm playing hardball now. That man definitely is my biological brother, unless you have evidence to the contrary. I know I said I was willing to do a DNA test, but I'm playing hardball now, as I say. You're not having my DNA. Find another way to disprove it. And stop sending me your cease and desist letters. I've shredded them. If I get another one, you'll be the ones being told to cease and desist. Back at you. Also, I've got this new book out, guys. Uh, if Tim is interested in doing some kind of movie adaptation, keep it in the family and all that, I'm up for it. If he is, just pass the message on, see what he's got to say for himself. You know, I was thinking of pretending that the late actor Richard Burton is my dad. But that would contradict the details in my new book, Everything I Am, which is all about me and my estranged father, Frank Burton Sr., Check it out on Amazon, audiobook on Bandcamp, all of that sort of thing. Let's have some more music, yeah? Yeah.
grandmother on top of my granddad. He'll support her in death the way he did in his life. The weight of memory, two teddy bears, me and my brother, and picture. They buried my grandmother. Time for Ragbag Recommends now. And seeing as my new book is out, I thought I would use this opportunity to recommend one of my favourite writers, who, as it turns out, has been a great influence on me, Steve Toltz. Toltz's two novels to date, A Fraction of the Whole and Quicksand, are both absolute works of genius. They're very, very funny indeed. With so many great lines, it's impossible to choose one to quote. And then there's the stories themselves, stories about family and friendships and growing up. By no means an unusual subject, but it's done in such an original and unpredictable way, it'll blow you away, trust me. And I know that Steve Toltz has been a big influence on me because I recently reread A Fraction of the Whole, which I first encountered a few years ago. It's all about one man's fractured relationship with his crazy eccentric father, and I couldn't help seeing some similarity with the book that I've just written, Everything I Am, which is all about one man's fractured relationship with his crazy eccentric father. Luckily, it's just an influence rather than outright plagiarism. Don't sue me. Just saying, if you like my stuff, you should definitely check out Steve Toltz. T-O-L-T-Z, by the way, is the spelling. He's a legend. Back to the tunes. Touch me. 
and do a funny voice. No, it's not a drawing, it's a full-size photograph of the Queen's face. With little eye holes. With little eye holes. Full-size photograph of the Queen's face. Full-size photograph of the Queen's face. Full-size photograph of the Queen's face. Back at you. Back at you. What is it all about, though, eh? It's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. And do a funny voice. You try and make some sense in a meaningless world. You try and make some sense in a meaningless world. You try and make some sense. Meaningless. Meaningless. <laughs> that, that, that was a fun story, wasn't it, listeners? <laughs> that,
Thank you for listening. If you missed my big announcement already, here it is again. My new book, Everything I Am, the first in the Ragbag series of novels, is out now. Available to buy in paperback or ebook on Amazon. The audiobook version is at frankburton.bandcamp.com. And speaking of the audio version, I've chopped it up into five parts and I'm going to release it right here on the podcast. The whole book will be delivered straight to you in audio form. Watch out for it. I'll see you soon. Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.